Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. We are going to have a great program for you today. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, East Texas. Good morning, East, North, the entire United States. How's everybody doing this morning? We are going to have a great show for you today, folks. Um, my name is Egberto Willis, and we are going to do it. And in the studio, fresh in from the watermelon dance and summer social sizzler, social benefit is in the house with el senor at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best it's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Howard Reynolds and Jack Van Bever. How are my great folks in the studio doing this morning? Well, we were upright, so I guess we're going to be okay. It's a Monday morning, so we're here. And did you recover Jack- from the heat? I did. You know, luckily for us, we were in the air conditioning, so it wasn't so bad. But boy, was that fun. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> We had a wonderful time out there at the uh, Watermelon Dance and Summer Social at the Cottonwood. And we got to thank those folks out there for a mighty accommodating. Because believe me, I brought in a bunch of electricity eating stuff. Yes, you, you did. Rig. <laughs> you were to see the rig. Oh, yeah. And well, Jack was here. Jack was helping me out like crazy. He just, okay, let's let's pull all the wires here. Let's, let's hook this up. I'm going, Jack, yes, of course. Jack is the man. Jack is the man. He How is. you doing, Jack? Together, I got experience at that. <laughs> anyway, good morning, Egberto. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, KPFT, the Watermelon Festival, and the uh, Hippy Dippy Subversive Free Speech Radio for Peace. Yes, and yes. That, well, I, Jack, good. I know you have something for us this morning again, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a friend that sends me stuff. Uh, all the time uh and uh, he sent me this uh through song and art i can communicate what i believe is the essence of life truth and beauty in my time i've seen both go out of style but they always come back in vogue again tony bennett rest in musical peace uh tony bennett um, you know, you the can't guy. go wrong with Tony Bennett songs. Well, no. you know what? The guy showed uh, as his career, in the latter part of his career that he could hook up with just about anybody and sound good, you know? Oh, yeah. Lady Gaga? Really? Lady Seriously? Gaga. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff sounded really good. Yes. I was amazed. It, and, yeah, it, of course, Gaga can sing. She can. Yeah. But... Uh, She's just, you know, I think I think her introduction was kind of weird. She was wearing meat dresses and all that. But then again, Elton John did much the same thing. Yeah. As far as his car in the 70s, he was now these whacked out, you know, suits and glasses and everything else. It was just a gimmick to get you to listen to the music. There you go. They, they understood marketing. And you know what? For both of them or for all of them, it paid off. Right. Because, you know, they are, in fact, yeah. superstars, super musical stars. Mm-hmm. Lady G. Lady G. Back here. But anyhow, anyhow, folks, we got a great program for you. You know, uh, there's a lot going on in the country. So the title of the show today is 
UPS Teamsters Union Stewart Speaks, Inslee on Climate Crisis, and Alabama Black Men Denied His Mayorship. That's a story. I, I, um, it's a third story, so I don't know if we're going to get to it, so I want to tell you up front. Uh, please go to politicsandright.com slash newsletter. You can get all the uh, items we're going to cover on that newsletter, and you can go to the links for all these stories as well. Anyhow, folks, remember there are many ways to get politics done right and KPFT at large. You can first, of course, if you're listening on dial, 90.1 FM Houston. Secondly, you can go to you can stream it by downloading the TuneIn app and go to Android and Apple, the Apple Store. Uh, download that app, search for KPFT, and you can stream it on your phone. Alternatively, you can go directly to our website, kpft.org, kpft.org. Download the application, I mean, rather, uh, click on sound or uh, click, click on listen, and you'll be hearing us streaming live. As well, you can watch us. Yes, you can watch us. And today I'm in my Trek, my Trek jersey, because as soon as I get off here, I go spinning. You can see me wearing that Trek jersey. I'm not wearing the, P- the PDR today, the politics done right, but it's cool. And then... You can also go to watch us on YouTube by just going to politicsdoneright.tv, politicsdoneright.tv. Well, folks, if, uh, if you, this weekend, if you had gotten out to the Cottonwood Club, you would have seen everybody or a lot of us from KPFT under the tutelage of El Senor Howard Reynolds. He brought the studio to the Cottonwood. We had a Ball, great music. And when I tell you great music, some of those guitarists there, I was like, hey, there's a there's a there's a Santana out there, you know. Some of the solos that they played, the music they played, some good blues and uh, more than blues, but I mean, really good playing. And then just seeing the folks out there was great. Uh, it was hot on the outside. It was pleasurable on the medium outside. You know, it has the club, and then you have the sort of a enclosed with a canvas or plastic out it was a great it was a great show and howard uh tore it up there with the with the setup able to broadcast live the works howard great job brother why thank you and i thank you so much for showing up you know that really meant a lot to me for you to, to be out there and to converse with all of us live on the air from location absolutely I've been for some time and this opportunity came up and you know the tin cans and string held up quite well. Oh yeah, so. oh yeah. I mean uh, the whole set of equipment and seeing Jack out there as usual. Jack was around roaming the place and making make, making sure stuff happened as well. But anyway, folks, we are going to start today with um, you know uh, what I love about the PDR positive politics done right passes. We have people from all stripe, people from all ideologies, etc. And one of the one of the people that are regulars to our uh, three o'clock, uh, three o'clock show where they come to the chat just about every day, uh, Yvette Avery Harris. She is also a union steward, a leadership in the union at UPS. And, you know, uh, I saw her training folks for the picket lines, et cetera, all, all in, that, in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said, you know what? We need to talk. We need to talk. So I. Uh, called her up and said, hey, will you do an interview? And, you know, I, I was concerned that it would be sort of touchy because, you know, there are negotiations and all that kind of stuff. But she said yes. And without further ado, go. I want to play for you the interview we did yesterday. 
prepared for you today. Here he goes, Yvette Avery Herod. Welcome to another edition of Politics and Rhetoric. Berto Will is your host. Today, we're honored to have Yvette Avery. Yvette is a working mother providing for her family. She has been a Teamsters Union steward at UPS, as well as an activist for workers' rights for several years. And Yvette continues what she does best. As we know, there are issues with UPS right now that she's going to tell us about the strike that is impending, or maybe not. I don't know. Let's talk to the one who knows. Yvette, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me again. I am great. I mean, I, I was looking at some videos earlier in the week, and I saw that you were prepping all these different uh, Teamsters and so forth. So in case you guys strike, you guys hit the road running. Talk to me a little bit about, first of all, before we get into the specifics, what is it that you're doing to kind of gear the folks up? Well, right now we are, have been practice picketing. So here in Atlanta and all over the U.S., Teamsters at different locals have been going to different locations and having practice picketing, getting the members ready for the actual strike if it may occur. Uh, a lot of our members have never been through a strike, have never been involved with a picket line. So they're not aware of all of what you can and can't do, our do's and don'ts to striking. So they want to make sure that the members are aware and know what it is to actually participate in a strike if necessary. In other words, you're not going to give the corporation or the police officials any reason to mistreat your 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 uh, employees. You're going to make sure that they know what they need to do, what's within the law, and, and to ensure that they get what's best for them. That is correct. Very true. Now, I don't quite understand the, the issue here in this regards. UPS made over $13 billion in profits. Remember, that is money that you have made for the company, for those that are sitting on their butts as investors and executives. Explain to me, what is it that you, the UPS worker, want? Well, utmost, we also we always want dignity and respect, but we want to share in the profits that we help create. Uh, we worked all the way through COVID, no uh, COVID pay, no hazard pay. So we had wait, to go to work wait, every day. On. Let me back up. I, I don't understand. What do you mean that you didn't get hazard pay? Didn't UPS workers partake in the PPP? that gave uh, extra pay and time off, et cetera, to many Americans? Right. So they, if you got sick with COVID, now it was an agreement that we can get paid days off up to 10 days. Uh, but other than that, if you were uh, an employee that had been there less than like nine months, you didn't qualify for any short-term disability leave. So if, say you caught COVID more than once, which we had several people do, uh, you only get that one time being paid those 10 days. So if you didn't have the additional leave, you couldn't take off. And that put people at even more risk to want to work while sick because they couldn't afford not to work. But we didn't get, like I say, any pay on top of our just normal, regular pay to come to work during the whole you know situation of COVID. Never, you know, getting the days off is just come to work, come to work is normal, work longer hours because, of course, more people were ordering things. So we would you know, having to um, deliver more things. And then we were even delivering COVID vaccine, even if, when we weren't even eligible for it. So we were making sure everybody had what they needed by putting our lives and our family lives at risk the whole time. I think America needs to hear this. 
you were delivering vaccines to the rest of America, you were at a possible risk of being infected by all those you were delivering to. And at the same time, you couldn't get the vaccine. You didn't get hazard pay. And in the event that you are a part-time worker or a new worker and you got sick a second time, which because they want you to work, you'll probably get sick. You stayed without pay. And that's even a full-timer. So if you got, you know, more than 10 days with COVID, you weren't going to get that pay. Like I say, unless you qualify for short-term disability after that, you might can apply. But then of course, short-term disability, you have to wait those seven days before the payment starts. So some people just couldn't afford to try to take that off. And uh, well, we're putting themselves and others at risk. I guess the U- UPS probably held on to that PPP money and didn't distribute it as, a, as it was designed to distribute. Okay, so now, um, Yvette, what is it that, uh, what specifically is the union saying, this is what our people want? Well, the fair wages are uh, a big issue. We have uh, part-timers who are not paid a livable wage. Uh, they always used to focus on the full-timers, getting them paid good wages, but the part-timers over the several last few contracts have just been left behind. And so people need to recognize that no matter who you are, whether it's a part-time, full-time job, every person's hour of labor should be a livable wage. It should be paid at a livable wage just for your one hour of labor. It doesn't matter if you're part-time because you're working less hours. Of course, you're not going to be able to live off of that, maintaining your entire lifestyle off of part-time pay. But that hour of labor is no less than anybody else just because you're part-time. It should be a livable wage. And so we're fighting for them to have livable wages, uh, increases in some pensions, uh, making sure that they're definitely taken care of. I mean, they've gotten, we've gotten some wins throughout these negotiations uh, as far as the, you know, AC coming to the trucks, as far as getting rid of the job, the position I currently hold, which is a 22-4, they get paid less as a driver than other drivers. So we made some, why, is, why is that? Um, Because a two-tier uh, pay system was created the last contract. Like I said, we voted it down, though. Our last uh, leadership administration pushed it through anyway, which gave them the opportunity to pay us less. And I'm considered a combination driver, so I can work inside and drive. But the company has used majority of us to drive all the time. So they're not even using the position for what it was created for. And so I'm driving all the time, working next to another driver, driving all the time but get up to pay, you know, in certain places, up to $10 less an hour doing the same job. You so have got to be kidding system. me. No, it's a two-tier system. Um, in my building, for sure, I'm the lowest paid driver in the building. And I've been there 17 years, but because when I came in, the type of driver I had to be, uh, once I decided to cross over to full-time, I am now, like I say, the lowest paid driver in my center. So because and, of that two-tier pay. And I imagine you're trying to fix that two-tier system right now? Yes, they did say they were going to get rid of the 22-4, yet the first offer they did give still would have uh, caused me to have a lower rate of pay because they wanted to reduce the pay of top out for a full-time driver to around $9 less than what it currently is. So they was like, oh, okay, you can become a regular full-time driver, but you're still not going to get paid as much as they are currently. So they were trying to still keep the two-tier pay, but try to take away just the name to make it seem as if they were doing us a favor. but. Of course, our union leadership didn't fall for that, and neither are we. I think what it seems to me like what they're trying to do, if they're trying to keep the same name but a lower pay for those already there, is it means all the new hires will come in at the lower pay 
is what they're right. trying to do. Is that correct? People, yeah. Right. And then people like me who are already currently being paid less, I would continue to be paid less. But now I would get some certain protections that I don't get now as far as not having to work so much overtime without additional compensation uh, through the grievance process and other things. So regular drivers get protections that we don't get as 22-4 drivers. So I would get the protections, but I still wouldn't have gotten the pay. So, yeah, it's not purpose. fair at all. What else are we looking no. for? And of course, even with the uh, increases, we were looking at getting uh, better yearly increases, which they went to trying to give us 50 cents for an entire year, splitting it up into two pieces, 25 cents in February, 25 cents in August. Are we saying 25 pennies? That's what we're talking about? 25 pennies, one quarter. And, you know, who's going to, what's 25 cents or 50 cents going to do? Burger, man. We can't even do that. It won't buy cheese these days on the burger. You know, it's crazy because, you know, they hadn't kept up with inflation at all when it comes to what the hourly rate is of people being paid. So we're definitely looking for those things to be taken care of. Ninety five percent of our contract has been, you know, reported to be completed. But it's the economic portion that UPS is not trying to actually give the workers what they deserve on that end. Now, their profits, again, zoomed up. They made $13 billion, as I recall, last year. The mm-hmm. question is, and, and for those that are listening to us, I want, when we speak on politics done right about unionization and why and, and, and corporate executives being nothing more than high-paid thieves, high-paid thugs, this is the reason why. They got $13 billion in profits. They had a windfall profit compared to what they made previous years in a pandemic year. Because the volume, the volume of packages because of the new way. And you know what's interesting, event? Even as the pandemic is, quote unquote, over, people have adapted. They kind of like this thing about staying home and having things, more things delivered, which means right. your volume has increased. You are doing more work. That profit does not belong to the executives and the shareholders. That's right. your money. You, they, they should be asking you if you are willing to share it with them. That is what right. we would call an equitable society. If one in which the people who actually earn the money are the ones who decide what to do with the money. Your thoughts on that, Yvette? Oh, that's exactly true. It's uh, very disrespectful of the company to not be willing to share those profits. Uh, like I say, back on July, Fifth, they told the Teamsters, well, we have nothing else to offer. But yet we offered everything. We gave everything throughout the pandemic. We gave sacrifice after sacrifice just by coming in every day in that risk. I mean, it was a very, very uh, scary time. We had no idea what we were dealing with in the beginning. And they used to tell us stuff stayed on surfaces for so long, cardboard. Well, we're dealing with boxes all day. So we're not sure if what we touch is going to kill us. Like it was really a scary time. But yet and still, we had to be there every day. We were not allowed to work from home. We couldn't do that. So definitely they should share in every single profit that we created for them. I bet there was there were no shareholders or executives uh, walking into those warehouses to show solidarity with the workers who are actually earning the income for the company. Did you see any executives or you're lying oh, no. to me, Yvette, I'm sorry. You, they had to they go there to nowhere. at least show solidarity. 
Nowhere near us. Uh, I'm sure uh, from my understanding, our CEO was away at her farm. I mean, we had people, they were not touched by this. They were away from it. They had the money and the comfortability to be at home and away from everything and conduct whatever meetings they wanted to on Zoom. And we couldn't do that. You can't Zoom a box to the house. So we had to come to work. Uh, it would have been nice if they would have came down and saw exactly what was going on. The, the unclean buildings, the lack of PPE that's being provided to the people. That type of stuff is what we were dealing with on top of the pandemic. So that's something they should have came to see. And maybe they would have understood a little bit more how much of a risk we took every day. You know, I don't uh, let me tell you, um, I think you may give them a bit too much credit into believing that they don't know what's going on or that they oh. they know why they didn't come to this to the warehouses. They know oh. they know all of that. But I think what it shows is that these people are psychopaths. You know, they mm-hmm. like to look at the average American citizen like, oh, he doesn't want to come to work. Or No, I'm sorry. The average American citizen works. The average right. executive and shareholders sit on their rear ends and accomplish very little for society. You are the ones that bring, I mean, those boxes that we were happy to see from the, whether it be from the grocery store, whether it be from Amazon, whether it be from wherever, you all kept our economy going. You all are right. solely responsible for uh, all, all the tier one workers from cash registers to all the others. And that is why uh, I think uh, what, and, and I, I don't think the mainstream media has done enough of this. Those first line workers should have been revered for who they are, revered for what they accomplished and revered for keeping us alive for that, for that difficult period of time. And I don't think enough was made of, of this issue for the importance that you all represent, uh, Yvette. And I'm glad that you are here talking about this. And I hope that more people go out there and let Americans know what's going on. Because these guys up that we like to respect, we like to look at these high-paid executives respectfully. We like to look at these shareholders respectfully. I'm sorry. Many of them are no different than, well, actually are very different than our, our average pickpocketer because they're, they're pickpocketing legally. They are mm-hmm. high-class thugs. Continue, my friend. That's so true. We were considered essential. We were called heroes and all those things even had to you know, present. We talked about today earlier a letter they gave us in order to be able to show the law enforcement if we were out past curfew to let them know we were supposed to be on the road just so we can get to work. So we went through all those things and yet and still what we get now was basically, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, this is all we can give you. You know, it, it makes no sense. And of course, like you said, they're very aware of what's going on, but they don't want to come inside those buildings and actually have to face the people that are doing this to call them out on it. Because if they come and see us, we will let them know what we're thinking. So of course they stay far, far away and won't dare, you know, come around to see exactly what's going on in those buildings. So uh, so then, as I understand it, then the basic thing that you want is you want to get rid of a two-tier system. I don't know if you're going to get that this time around, but you ultimately want to get rid of a two-tier system. You want to ensure that you have air conditioning in in uh, in, in these, these uh, uh, trucks. I, I find it amazing, right? Climate change is on with us. The corporatocracy are some of the ones that are fighting solving the climate chain problem and still they don't want to give you things to to make you to keep you healthy in a bus the the constant heat puts stress on the body reduces your lifespan for that excessive stress so they they have no problems uh harming you if you will 
What else? So it's it's uh, air conditioning, equal pay, more pay th- that is that that at least tracks inflation and above. And is there anything else that I missed in that that you want? Yeah, definitely uh, less harassment. We had to strengthen our harassment language, uh, making sure they're not stealing from our employees but through wage theft. We have stuff in place that they're supposed to pay a certain amount of guaranteed hours, but they go in, change codes, try to pay people less, don't pay people their guarantees. So they they have a lot of issues within that company that needs to be changed, uh, which we do most of it through our contract. But it's other things and other ways we are going to have to put them into shape to get them to treat their employees fair and with dignity and respect at all times. So those are other issues that are also a problem there. Uh, our safety issue, of course, is one big thing, you know, not only safety with the, the heat related stuff, which we did, like I say, when the ACs are ready. So they're going to install air conditions, uh, of course, in the new trucks and they're supposed to be doing something. I think they have like a six month uh, time frame in which they have to get everything completed. Um, but also just the safety of our drivers, you know, out on the road. You know, we face a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't realize when we go out there as well safety issues that need to be addressed. You know, we run into people with guns being pulled on us, you know, people being kidnapped and killed, all just trying to deliver packages. So, you know, it's a lot of things that need to be addressed by the company. And we hope to get everything that we ask for, you know, within these uh, proposals that were submitted uh, as soon as possible. Now, uh, from what things, from the way things look, uh, how, how is it look? Are they talking again or where are we at with the, with the strike? So last week, uh, UPS reached out to the Teamsters and said that they'll be willing to come back to the table. So the date scheduled would be this coming Tuesday for them to come back to the table. We currently sit at eight days that are left before our contract expires and we would be officially on strike. Now, if they by chance come to a tentative agreement, something that the union think is worthy of us to vote on, then um, they can agree that, okay, this is our tentative agreement. We may be able to work past August the 1st or July 31st. And then if we get a chance to do that, the members still have to vote on it. So they still have to send it out to us. We have to vote. If we agree, then we'll continue to work on. If we vote no, then at that point, we'll be going into a strike. So it's possible that it'll come after August 1st if a tentative agreement is is made or on August 1st if nothing has been completed. being in a union leadership, do you have any inside information that tells you if how things are looking, whether maybe they're really trying to uh, really trying to avoid this, what I think would be a catastrophe? Well, it's all up to the company, actually. The company is the one who's going to strike themselves because, you know, we have been perfectly clear from the beginning. Um, the people who are actually on the negotiating committee, because I'm not one of those actually negotiating the contract. Uh, have to sign NDA so they can't give out information specifics until after they actually agree. So once they Got agree you. upon stuff, then we get that specific knowledge. That's why we knew we've already won the, you know, the AC. We already got rid of the 22-4. So we know certain things that have already been completed. Uh, but as far as, you know, if UPS is going to, you know, do the right thing all of a sudden and just agree to everything, for me being around 17 years, I don't see them doing it. But it's possible somebody, you know, somewhere has, you know, got a brain all of a sudden and grew a heart and said, "Okay, we're going to meet all the demands so you don't have a strike. But personally, I don't see it happening. But, you know, miracles can happen, I guess. So we will have to just wait and see if they truly stand up and do the right thing. It won't be a heart that they grow. It's going to be a pocketbook that they look at. It won't be a heart. Right. 
Because that's uh, all it is, the pocketbook. Right. <laughs> Which is they, their heart. That's all they right. gauge everything on. They right. care nothing about you or the employees. They just care about how much green they can get. Now, uh, I, I had, uh, I heard through the grapevine that they were actually trying to train scabs. But as we know, mm-hmm. uh, UPS is too darn big to really uh, for scabs to actually be successful. So maybe they're starting to realize that scabs ain't going to work for uh, for any extended period of time. Yeah, through my entire time there at 17 years, we have never been fully staffed. So if all of a sudden you're going to get fully staffed, uh, it, it, uh, well, we're on strike. It's no way possible. You can never replace 360, uh, 340,000 Teamsters uh, workers in a couple of days. It's not going to happen. You know, the drivers do a great job. Our loaders and unloaders do an amazing and it's hard work that it takes some time to understand and learn. And the supervisors will not be able to handle it neither with anybody they bring in off the street to try to do it. So it's just impossible. And what they don't realize is that you guys have insurance or rather not insurance, but you guys have uh, uh, guarantees that you provided to certain companies and the companies don't care if you're in strike or not. Those guarantees have to be upheld, else the payment for the lack of services. Anyway, Yvette, uh, why don't you give me a closer here? Well, I'd just like to encourage everybody out there, whether you're customers in our community, you know, to stand strong with your uh, fellow workers. We want our customers to get everything that they deserve and everything that they order. But we also want our workers to also get everything that they deserve and worked hard for and uh are currently fighting for. So if you can come out, support us in any way, we'd greatly appreciate that. And, you know, make sure to call UPS, tell them to do the right thing because you value what your uh, UPS drivers and the ones you come in contact with have done for you. Let the company know they should value it as well. Yvette Avery Harrod, thank you so kindly for having been on politics and right, but more importantly, folks that are listening right here. Remember, these are our essential workers. These are the folks who make America run. So we must support Yvette and all the entire union movement in this country. Thank you so kindly for having been on politics and right. Thank you again for bringing us on and keeping us in the forefront. We all right, folks. I hope you. Uh, you heard that. I hope you enjoyed that. Very, very important. Uh, you know, it's not, I don't think it's getting the coverage it deserves because we are a society now, especially after the pandemic, where we want everything delivered at an, at a cost, at a non cost prohibitive price. In other words, at a, at a, at a good price. We want our things delivered when we want them. We want them. And for a company like UPS, uh, who had its workers during the pandemic prove their worth. They proved their worth. They kept our economy going. They are the ones that were delivering delivering the goods throughout this country as we floundered. Let's remember them. Let's support them. Let's support the union movement. Let's make sure they have a livable wage many of them died in the process of being in front of so many people every day while most of us were able to stay home and hide those essential workers they kept the country going not the executives not the shareholders let's remember to give worth where it belongs 
worth where it belongs. We have to change the national paradigm. Hell, we have to change the international paradigm where we define who is worth what. It is so important and we have to unlearn much of what we've learned. Anyway, folks, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Please, I beg of thee, do not wait till the end of the show where I have to rush through calls. Last time we had like five, four calls left that weren't answered again because again we just ran out of time i'd like to you know i i make the the program in such a manner that uh, you know if you guys call in and want to talk about something else that's what we do uh and then since the newsletter is there for you to see the links etc you're all there alistair water says my hope if the ups workers go on strike is that biden administration doesn't do them what he did with the ro- with the rail uh, strikers exactly we need to ensure that these folks get their due. Welcome aboard as well, Patricia E. Forker on the chat. Uh, please, thank you for being here. Anyhow, folks, 713-526-5738. 713-526-5738. Call in before the next segment and we'll get on air right away. 713-526-5738. There's one particular caller that's been calling at the end every day to have a substantive discussion about, uh, you know, taxes and that sort of a thing. But he always waits until 10 or 15 minutes before the call. So if you're there, I think his name is Brian, 713-526-5738. Anyhow, all right, since I haven't gotten the calls yet, I'll go ahead and go to the next subject. The next subject is... Uh, well, I, let me let me do the one in Alabama because that one really concerned me. Um, there is this guy in Alabama. I tell you what, let me just go ahead and read the caption. The title of the article is from the uh, the paper Capital B. A black man was elected mayor in rural Alabama, but the white town leaders won't let him serve. I think one of the major stations just picked up this story, but this story is one that shows you what fascism looks like, what an an anti-democratic party looks like. And here it goes. It's in New Bern, Alabama. There's a power struggle in New Bern, Alabama, and the rural town's first black mayor is at war with the previous administration who, he says, locked him out of town hall. And it continues. After years of racist harassment and intimidating... Patrick Braxton is fed up, and in a federal loss, uh, federal civil rights lawsuit, he's accusing town officials of conspiring to deny his civil rights and his position because of his race. When I first became mayor, a white woman told me the town was not ready for a black mayor, Braxton recalls. But here's a kicker. And, and, you know, I, we use these numbers just to show probability, etc. Now, let me first give my belief, right? A lot of people have a tendency to believe, well, if there's a black population, you put any black person there and they'll vote for them. Or if you have a white population, a white person, or you can't. It, it, look, so, when you look at issues, right, 
that is not really true. I, I know a lot of district. Let's take a look at Green's district, uh, co- uh, former Congressman Green's district. Uh, he's a cool white guy, and his district is majority by a whole bunch Latino, and he was a constancy in Congress. I can tell you that about districts all over this country that we've studied. Uh, you serve the people irrespective of who you are or who they are and the people you will earn the people's respect and vote but here's a deal in for this woman who said we were just not ready this this town wasn't ready for a black mayor the town is 85% black and 29% of black people here live or there live below the poverty line What did she mean by the town wasn't ready for a black mayor? She really meant people like me is not or not ready for a black mayor. Yes, no change. Decades removed from a seemingly Jim Crow South, white people continue to thwart black political power, political progress by refusing to allow them to govern themselves or participate in the country's democracy, several residents uh, told Capital B. While litigation may take months or years to resolve, Braxton and community members are working to organize voter education, registration, and transportation ahead of the 2024 election. But the tension has been brewing for years. Two years ago, Braxton said, He was the only volunteer firefighter in his department to respond to a tree fire near a black person's home in the town of 275 people. As Braxton, 57, actively worked to put out the fire, he says one of his white colleagues tried to take the keys to his fire truck to keep him from using it. Another incident, Braxton, who was off duty at the time, overheard an emergency dispatch call for a black woman experiencing a heart attack. He drove to the fire station to retrieve the automated external defibrillator or AED machine, but the locks were changed, so he couldn't get into the facility. He raced back into his house, grabbed his personal machine, and drove over to the house, but he didn't make it in time to save her. Braxton wasn't able to gain access to the building or equipment until the Hale County Emergency Management Agency director intervened, the lawsuit said. I have seen on several house, I've been on several house fires myself, Braxton said. They hear the radio and wouldn't come. I know they hear it because I called dispatch and dispatch set the tone call three or four times for Newburn because we got a certain tone. So he was elected unable to serve, and those who were serving refused to give equitable service in the society. And we are a democracy. We are a democracy. Alistair says, isn't Alabama doing the the janky redistricting maps as well? Yes, this is the same Alabama that currently was told by the Supreme Court that they had to redraw their districts. And you know what they did? They summarily ignored the Supreme Court, redrew it, and of course it will be back in court again. That is Alabama. That is Republican leadership. That is not uh, this type of thing 
is not unlike what we're doing here in Texas, where Republicans take advantage of, you know, they, they came into Harris County and they made it that they can control our election if they so choose. Again, this isn't just an Alabama thing. This is a Republican leadership thing. It is something that is being practiced throughout the country. In uh, what state is it? I think it is in, uh, in Ohio. Let me tell you about this. In Ohio, uh, the abortion, uh, more, more people, many more people, not a plurality, a majority and more, do not support banning abortion, do not support the six-week abortion, do not support any of that. They want full legal abortion in Ohio. And what is, and, and by the way, they want to put it on the ballot. Well, uh, Ohio has a rule for a long time that, you know, they wouldn't have certain kinds of special elections. Well, in order to get a small a small folks group voting, you know, when you have special elections, you usually get a smaller turnout and it tends to be usually uh, conservative that this, you know, it, it just sort of an anachronism here in the United States. Well, anyhow, they decided that they are going to put, even though they don't generally support this, they are going to put on a special election that in, in which people will vote to deny themselves true democracy. How would they do that? Uh, they they know that a referendum is coming. They know they're going to lose the referendum because it's over 50% of the people who want to support abortion. So they know they're going to lose the referendum. So what do they do? They decide to have a ballot measure that says any for any referendum to pass, it has to have a supermajority for the referendum to pass. So even if 59% of, of Ohioans say, we want the abortion policies that we want, unless it is 60% of the people who say this is what we want, majority does not rule. So in other words, they're not going to leave it up to a referendum for, major for the majority. They're telling Ohioans, you have to come with a supermajority in order for us to change the law. Think about that. That's democracy. You know, um, at, at Netroots, uh, I had a whole lot of young people saying that we don't know if electoral politics work anymore. To which I said, electoral politics will continue to work if you engage. And you know what's happening in Ohio right now? That, that, that bill, or rather, uh, that thing that they have on the ballot right now, the polls are saying it's going to go down in flames. When you try to take away democracy from people and they realize that that is what you're doing, even some people who don't, don't support abortion, they realize that if we can do that to the current proponents of a woman's right to choose, we can likely do it for anything else that we want. Anti-democracy ultimately hurts everybody. And that's what they're noticing in Ohio. And so that is likely to go down in flames. And this anti-democratic movement, this fascist movement that is running through this country via the Republican leadership has to end.
713-526-5738. Give me a call before the end of the show, before it gets too late and we can't take your call. 713-526-5738. I know there are a lot of folks listening because I can see it. Well, I can't see the folks listening. I can see the, the metrics. 713-526-5738. Give us a call. I think the phones are working. 713-526-5738. Hit extension number two. Not extension number one. Hit extension number two. You can hit number one if you want to donate, but hit number two, and it gets you on air right away. 713-526-5738. Okay, I'm going to go. Let's see. Alistair says we have to put an end to Citizens United. We we definitely have to put an end to Citizens United. Money is not speech, and corporations are not people. If we pass the 28th Amendment, we will forego all those bad things. 713-526-5738. Una vez más before I go to the next video. 713-526-5738. Three, eight. It looks like we do have a call. So let's go ahead and get. Augie uh, is ready to talk to us. Augie. We have, we have Stand by. Augie, who wants to meet you? Yeah. Okay. okay. Augie, how you doing, buddy? Great seeing you on Saturday. Yeah. And too bad that people missed out uh, seeing you. Uh, you had rhythm when they started playing reggae. People could have seen Oh man, yes. <laughs> Playing our good Caribbean stuff, right, Raggy? That's right. Uh, but I like that first caller you had a the union a member. Yes, the union member too, and went on a couple strikes, and that's how we got our benefits. Uh, they didn't give them out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh, union members had to go on strike, and. Um, and uh, and uh, in the old days, that's why that's how we got a eight hour work day, a five day work week, paid overtime, and all that. The school union members in the 1900s, early 1900s, they fought and some died, so, so American workers could have these rights that were denied them in the pay that was denied them in the benefits. And you know like what? You said, Go ahead, Augie. I'm sorry. Uh, those executives were sitting on their butt. And uh, when it was contract time, they would ask us to sacrifice because the company needed our, our, uh, us to lower our wages and stuff. But uh, they weren't willing to sacrifice anything at all. Uh, they said we're a team, but what kind of team when only part of it is sacrificing and the other part is not? Um, I don't remember ever whenever we went on strike for contract negotiations that the executives sacrificed anything at all. It was always they the never workers. do. They never do. Here's a deal, um, you know, and this is this is inequity here in the, in in our system, and and it drives me crazy. Um, just a, a more recent example. You know, the the writers and and actors are on strike right now. And the leadership of, I think it was Disney, I could be wrong, but I think it was Disney, uh, that came out and said, you know, what the, what the actors and writers want is unrealistic. Remember, some of these writers and actors are on food stamps. Some of these writers and actors, when they get their residuals from the streaming services, it amounts to a check of 62 cents, 68 cents, $2, $12. 
we're not talking a lot of money here, right? These guys, you make a film, they continue to reap in profits for, you know, I mean, let me, let me, let's smarten up a few people here. Look, when you have a film that bombs, right? Uh, they, they would like to blame the actor and all these kinds of things for a bombed film, but a, even a bombed film is a moneymaker because it goes on to streaming. It goes on to other areas for infinity. And the leadership of these organizations, the shareholders of these organizations, continue to make a profit on your work over and over again. Now they're talking about using the likeness of many actors, using, uh, let's say, AI, and creating a whole lot of new movies just with these AI figurines of the people that look just like them, right? And that these folks want to negotiate that, well, if you're going to be making money on my likeness, people that you're going to, if you're creating AI based on folks that look like me, if you're going to be making money on my work decades after decades, don't you think we should share in that income? And if we don't, at least the taxpayers should be taxing you to put that right back into the economy because you did not do it. You did not earn it. But you see, Augie, we, uh, we have been ingrained from the inception of this country, from before the inception of this country. We have been ingrained of the lords and the serfs, and we've been ingrained into that some people inherently have the right to be better. Some people inherently have the right to have more, even as they, are, they cannot produce that which the slaves, the serfs, they all, all, all these produce. It's a mindset that if we can deconstruct and remove, that's the only way in the long run we get a true equitable society. First, acknowledging that those in power are there unearned and on a power that was unearned. And once you can break that false mirage of who these people are, you can realize for a fact that no. Not at all. We're all in this together. 713-526-5738. Anything else, Augie, before I go to the last video? Well, I went to Florida one time to do hurricane work. Uh, and uh, when I got there, the neighbors, uh, when they saw me coming with the truck to work on the phone line, they came out of the house to thank me for showing up to fix the phone line. And... Uh, and we had other uh, crews that weren't union trained at all. Uh, and uh, there were companies that were just hiring people with no training. And, uh, and cause they were making uh, profits off the, the Florida government. They were just hiring crews to come in, but the crews didn't know what they were doing. Right. A crew of young Canadians, a, a crew from India. And uh, they were sent home after a few weeks because we we're going behind them, fixing all the messes they made. Um, and uh, you can see how uh, strong the union guy was because he was properly trained. It was these other guys that uh, oh, that these corporations put up that weren't trained, and uh, they were making the, the minimum wage. Right. Uh, I remember Allison hit here in Texas. I can remember it was August or September. From that day on, we were working every day. We came in early and we stayed until way past dark every day until the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, a lot of guys came out sick. 
because uh, we had some cold weather, rainy weather, bad. We were working all kinds of weather, trying to restore service to the people around Houston. Augie, okay, I got. Work. I want to. I want to jump the video in, but you're absolutely correct, Augie. Okay, uh, and let me let me just say one other thing that adding to one thing that you said before I jump to the video. You talk about the union workers are well trained because you know they are union workers, but it's more than just that they're well trained. It is that they have to come together to force corporations to give them their worth. And I, th I still think we're way behind the curve in, in what we should pay. Most of these profits that these corporations make belong to you, belong to us, belong to those of us who do the work. Augie, I want to run to the other video. So uh, give me a, like a 10 second closer, brother. Well, uh, I hope that the people enjoy the union workers because uh, they're, they're worth the money they're paid. Absolutely. Thank you so kindly, Augie. All right, folks, I want to uh, give you, uh, let you hear what Inslee, Governor Inslee from Washington had to say. Uh, let's go there and we'll come right back. But in the interim, 713-526-5738, extension number two. I could not agree more with uh, uh, Washington Governor Jay Inslee. I want you to listen to this and then let's take it on the other side because uh, in effect, he's saying, no, we can't wait. And we, we have to stop hyperventilating about those who continue to affect progress. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. You have just quickly, if you can, you know, you have candidates out there like Donald Trump who mock the idea of climate change. And there are a vast number of Americans who ignore it, don't care about it or, or don't believe it. How do you convince those people it's time to care? Well, we can't wait for Donald Trump to figure this out. We don't have time to mess around to wait for this knucklehead to figure this out. We just got to make sure he's not in office. And the way we do this is vote against climate deniers, vote against people who refuse to assist this moral and economic uh, crisis that we have. Uh, you can't wait for these folks. You just got to make sure they're not in office where they can do damage. Let them go off and play golf. We'll solve this problem. It's a solvable problem if we work together. And people are coming around to this very, very rapidly because their homes are burning down. They're choking on smoke from the Canadian fires. When Ron DeSantis wants to go swim and he can't because the water is like a sauna, like a hot tub off his beaches. We just got to make sure that those folks are not in office. We don't have the luxury of allowing these people to uh, destroy the planet. Inslee is absolutely right. He calls them knucklehead. I, I, I will be a bit nicer. Uh, these folks have ill-informed so many from the coal miner to the oil roughneck to all these guys they are made to believe that climate change is at odds or rather solving the climate issue is at odds with their survival the truth of the matter is whether or not it it were not going to be more efficient to solve climate change it is something that has to be done for survivability right so therefore, that shouldn't even be a part of the discussion. But ironically speaking, solving the climate change issue also solves our economic issues. It revitalizes society because of so much that has to be rebuilt on using green energy, new technologies. And not only that, it gives us finally 
the ability to free many countries as well from the dependence on an arcane evil institution, the oil companies that had had used that power to control our military and everything else around the world. Finally, just get in the sun is your form of energy. Just being able to access the waves on your coastline is a form of energy. Accessing the wind around is a form of energy that you don't have to buy from anyone. Yes, you need the tools to to create the wind turbines. Yes, you need the photovoltaic cells. Yes, you need all these things. But you know what? If America is that good virtuous country that it is, producing it at affordable rates for the world, think about it. There is so much here to rebuild. These hurricanes, etc., should be billed to the folks who caused it. And we should repay the rest of the world because we are the ones who really, the industrialized countries, right, are the ones who really did what's done to the atmosphere at a larger scale than anyone else. But you know what? Uh, as soon as we get it together, how do we get it together, as Inslee said? Forget about these folks. Simply don't vote them in and we can move forward as a society. Well, folks, we are at the end of the program. So you know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to throw it back to Howard to see if Howard has a a quick statement before we shut this baby down. Howard. Well, folks, it's, you know, let me drag my soapbox out here again. Vote these people out. Get rid of them. Stop them in their tracks. Fire them at the ballot box. Vote, vote, vote. Now I'm going to turn it over to Jack. Brother Jack. Americans out there, you know, uh, the best thing you can do besides voting is to join a union. Get yourself representative represented by somebody that can fight for you. Thank you so kindly. Thank you so kindly. Jack, my name is Egberto Willis. I want to thank everybody out there listening. I want more of you to call in. I want to hear your input. I see a lot of folks listening, but I want you to call into. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right, and you guys know how I end this. Baby, I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.